So over the past few weeks, uh, the politicians of all the different parties have been trying to sell us their vision of the future, what they want to happen in this country if they win the election. This is what it's going to be like. It's their vision of what is going to happen. And so it's great, whatever your reaction to the result was. I said, I've heard people are very happy about the result, people are very sad about the result. But whatever your attitude to the result is, I think it's really important as Christians that we come and look at this vision, this real vision of the future, of what the future is really going to be like, of God's vision for the future. Because it is a far, far more impressive future than any human government is going to be able to build. It is a future that God is building. And so I hope, as, uh, if you're a Christian here this morning, you will go away encouraged and strengthened and full of hope and invigorated by this great vision of what God is doing in his world. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here this morning, if you're uh, here just investigating the Christian faith, again, I hope that you will understand more about why Christians can face the con- face the future with confidence. Whatever uh, they're actually the result, whatever a human government can or can't do, I hope you will see why it is that Christians are so uh, hopeful, or should be so hopeful, about the future. We're thinking about how God completes his kingdom. So throughout this year, we have been working through the Bible. We've been working through uh, an overview of the Bible. And I think, Philip, you put some of the uh, sermons on the website now. So if you've missed any of the sermons, have a look on the website, and you might be able to see and maybe follow through. It really is a great idea to get this overview of the whole Bible. Sometimes people sort of think the Bible is a bit of a mishmash of different things, but it's really important just to get the whole picture of the whole Bible and how God's plan fits together. So we thought about this time, that really the Bible storyline, if I had a sort of strap line for the Bible, I think it's how God sets up his worldwide kingdom through his son, Jesus Christ. So that is what the Bible is about, how God is setting up his worldwide kingdom through Jesus Christ. And we thought about how that kingdom consists of God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And we've been following this diagram through um, of, it began with creation, that God created this amazing universe and this amazing world, a world that was full of beauty, uh, full of variety, and just teeming with life and vitality. And God, God appointed humanity, God appointed Adam and Eve to uh, run this world under his authority. It was very good. But sad, right back at the beginning, we saw Adam and Eve turn away from that agenda. They rebelled against God. They decided they were going to set up their own kingdom. They thought that they knew better than God and his plan. And so they turned away and went their own way, which led to basically a disaster in terms of broken relationships, in terms of an ecological disaster on the world, uh, in terms of, uh, um, uh, yeah, just what we're thinking, death and decay under God's judgment. And that is sadly why all uh, political parties will ultimately fail. Because they do not have a solution to this problem of our human hearts. They do not have a solution to our turning away from God and wanting to run our own lives our own way without God. They have no answer to the consequences of that, which is sin and death. 
That is why ultimately all political parties will fail and their visions will become tarnished over time. But our rebellion doesn't thwart God's plan. God is still in control. God is still working out his purposes. And so we trace God's plan through the Old Testament. Uh, We saw that he made this amazing promise to Abraham that he was going to build a people from Abraham, a worldwide people from Abraham. We saw that he was going to give Abraham a a land, a place to live, and that ultimately he was going to live under God's uh, blessing and rule. And then we saw really the establishment of the people of Israel through the exodus, through the time in the wilderness, through the conquest of the land, uh, through the kingship of David and Solomon. Until they really were God's people, the great nation of Israel, with other people coming in, uh, in God's place, under God's rule and blessing. And God added an even more amazing, more amazing promise than the one he'd given Abraham. He promised Abraham a great people. He promised Abraham a place. He promised Abraham great blessing. But now he promised David that all this would come through a ruler who would come from the line of David, that who would have an eternal kingdom, who would bring about this blessing. But sadly, in the years that followed, rebellion took hold again. Uh, see, this is great. It's gone where? This is green. Um, probably do. I'm not going to take that light now, though. You'll need to press the next button. Okay, we saw how uh, the kingdom fell apart. Uh, there was a civil war, uh, and the north and the south separated. And then uh, after time, they were conquered. Uh, by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And to many, uh, I guess that seemed like God's plans were like a politician's plans. They had come to nothing. They had failed and uh, were dead and buried. But even during that time, God was promising... No, it's going to have to... Another press please, Simon. Um, they promised... The prophets promised a vision of the future that somehow God was gonna, really was going to build this glorious kingdom... He was going to have a worldwide people. He was, in fact, going to bring about a new creation, a new city, all centred on the person of his Messiah, his Christ. And it's into that situation that the Lord Jesus Christ strode into human history. These great promises are ringing in the air. And he lived this perfect life of obedience to God, of love for God, of honouring God. He wasn't tainted by sin and rebellion as all before him had been. And yet he said that he came to die, to deal with the problem of sin and death. He came to die in our place, to take the punishment that we deserve. He rose again to show how death and sin had been defeated. And God's great plan was going forward. Next button. Thanks, Simon. Brilliant. Okay. He commissioned his his disciples, he equipped them with his Holy Spirit, and he sent them out into the world to make disciples of all nations. And then we looked last week, last couple of weeks, at the book of Acts and the epistles, and how they showed how that plan did move out, or began to move out, to the ends of the earth. It got as far as Rome. And I guess as we sit here this morning in Wonsted, we can see how God's plan has continued to grow. It's gone beyond Rome, it's got to Wonsted. And as we sit here this morning, we are part of that plan as we seek to share the gospel with people over Christmas, as we seek to invite people to our our Christmas events, as we seek to think about being involved in a church plant in Clayhall and Barkingside, as we support missionary work in Bologna and Kazan, 
We are part of that plan of the gospel going out further and further to the ends of the earth. God's great plan to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But that is not the end. That is not the finish of the story. Because Jesus is quite clear that one day he said, I am going to return in the same way that I left. He's going to come back in all his glory to finally complete this great plan of God's, to complete God's kingdom. And so when we come to the last couple of chapters of Revelation, the last couple of chapters of the Bible, the Apostle John is given this startling, this staggering vision of what the kingdom of God is going to be like in its completeness. What it will look like, how it will be. And I hope as we come and look at this vision this morning, it will fill us with awe. It will fill us with confidence. It will fill us with hope. It will encourage us to keep persevering as we follow Jesus, however hard that is, however difficult that may seem. Uh, We studied the early parts of Revelation during the summer. John was writing to churches in uh, modern-day Turkey uh, to encourage them to keep going. He was warning them there would be great hardships for Christians. But they to challenge them and encourage them to keep holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. And now at the end of the book, he records this great vision that he has given of the new heavens and the new earth and what the future would be like. And we're just going to look at this uh, in a bit of detail. So the first thing I think that we are told about this is that everything... Oh, I need another press, Hannah. Thank you. This all-new kingdom... I'll get you to do a bit of work. In the first five verses of Revelation 21, what is described as new? So in the first five verses of Revelation 21, what is described as new? Josh. Everything. Every, that's, that's the cheat answer. That's notice wrong. No, that's right. You men have worked through the text then. I know, I know, I know. I know. I, was hope, I, hope we do the, I hope we go the new heavens and the new earth and then the new Jerusalem. And then everyone will go, oh, what everything. But never work with children. Uh, okay, let's look at it. So in verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, which is pretty much everything. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. And then in verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And then verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Um, Yeah. God wants us to know that everything is going to be new. In verse 4, he talks about... Um, For the old order of things has passed away. There's going to be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. In God's kingdom, among God's people, everything is going to be new. And sadly, since the election, many people will have died. Many people will have been crying and mourning and in pain. Ever since Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, there has been these things. There have been suffering and pain and mourning and decay and death. Even when we do get something new, 
It doesn't say new for long. Maybe over Christmas you're longing for that brand new phone or that, I don't know, that computer or... But they all wear out and break pretty quickly. Often presents don't even last the end of Christmas Day. But the new creation, the old order of things has passed away. Everything will be made new. Uh, First kids question, what will God do to everything? What will God do to everything? The Apostle Paul puts it like this. Now, Hannah, you're going to have to press again. Is that not working? So it will be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. We all know our bodies are decaying. Actually, you guys who are under 20, you probably don't. But the rest of us know our bodies are decaying and uh, you know, getting slower and things don't work quite as well. It's perishable, sown dishonor. It's weak. But wonderfully, when the Lord Jesus returns, that will no longer be the case. It will be imperishable. Be glorious, it will be powerful. God is a great God. What a promise! And I hope we're encouraged by that. Maybe to those of us who are older, who know our bodies are decaying and getting older and weaker. New bodies never to decay. Secondly, um, God will be there. Verse 3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look. God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. God is going to live with his people. He is going to be with his people. And we know that throughout the Bible, that God has desired to live with his people. We've been studying the book of Exodus, and we've had these studies on the tabernacle, and the fact that God wants to live with his people. He had the temple built so he could live with his people. But nevertheless, during that period, there were, still there were sort of barriers and curtains. Uh, because of our sin, we couldn't actually get into God's presence. But now, God's dwelling is going to be among the people. Verse 4, 21 verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eye. Great picture of uh, intimacy. God will be with us. He'll be intimate. They were like a mother sympathizing with a hurt child. God sympathizes with each one, each one of us. For those of us who are in pain or suffering, one day God will wipe away every tear from our eye. What a glorious and encouraging verse that is about God's attitude to us if we've suffered. Over the page in verse 22, John says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The temple really was a... Many of us, if you did Jew, that would have been a very shocking thing. You, the, your whole life was oriented, oriented around the temple. That was where you met with God. But now, we can meet with God without a building, without any um, uh, need for barriers or curtains or anything, or sacrifices, because what Christ has done, we have this intimacy. God will be with us. Uh, Or 22 and verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. A second kid's question, who will be at the centre of the new creation? Who will be at the centre of the new creation? And that is really the heart of why the new creation is going to be so fantastic, is because God is going to be there. He is at the heart of it. 
I think sometimes there can be a sort of danger that we think of heaven, I think often in the secular world, thinks of heaven as sort of the place where I can do all the things that I really, really enjoy, okay? So I don't know, I really enjoy going for nice walks in beautiful countryside. Well, the thing that I can do in the new creation is to go for really nice walks in fantastic countryside. Or I love sport. So the thing I can do is I'm going to enjoy great sport, you know, whether I watch it or whether I play it. I, you know, I'm going to, that, that's what's going to be great about the new creation. I think both those ideas miss the point in the sense that the thing that really is going to make the new creation is the fact that God is going to be there and we're going to be able to see him and be with him and enjoy his glory uh, forever. We're going to be able to just experience his staggering glory, to wonder at him and to enjoy him forever. That is what is going to make the new creation so amazing. It's going to be new. God is going to be there. And then we get a bit of detail in what this great city is going to be like. And I'm just going to see if this works. Yeah. Use it. Splendor. It's going to be a place of staggering beauty. Chapter 21 and verse 11. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. John is just overwhelmed by the glory and the beauty of this city. And he's trying to you know, fathom, well, how can I describe it? And he goes for a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Come over the page to verse 19. Again, he reverts to um, jewelry. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And then he lists them out. Verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. I don't know if any of you visited the uh, crown jewels in the Tower of London. You know, these amazing jewels that have somehow become the possession of the royal family. These amazing crowns and just staggering. Uh, but John says this is going to be so much better, so much greater, so much more amazing. This city is going to be far, far greater. Verse 23, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. The lamp, sorry, the lamb is its lamp. There's something glorious about a beautiful sunny day. The sunshine, I, I know it's pretty, because I can actually read, still read without my glass on. A beautiful sunny day, I can take my glass off and I can still read, because the light is so good. But John says, there won't be sun or moon, because the glory of God will be its light. Verse 24, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Verse 26, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. The glory of God will be there and all the glorious things that he has created enables humankind to create. They will all be there. I guess the crown jewels will be there. They will all be there in all their splendor and all their greatness. Notice it's the nations come in. It's a place for all people as well. Quite simply, the New Jerusalem is going to be something far brighter, far more beautiful, far more anything than you know, we've ever seen. I think about the most amazing place you've been, maybe on a holiday, you saw some staggering view of something. You know what it was? Some beautiful place, some beautiful garden, some amazing building, some amazing mountain range. Well, quite simply, this is going to be far, far greater. It's going to be full of splendor. Uh, secondly, it's going to be safe. Another button press. Sorry, Hannah, thank you. 
Great, let's come to verse 12. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the 12 angels at the 12 gates. Verse 17. The angel measured the wall using a human measurement. It was 144 cubits thick, and as we don't know what cubits are, the footnote kindly helps us. That is about 65 meters. I'm trying to think how this building might be. That would that'd be longer than from the stage to the end there. Certainly, it's not 65 meters. So it's going to be thicker than the length here, isn't it? Now, why is this so important? Well, I think their point is it is going to be absolutely secure and safe. That is the big point. I guess if you'd lived in Jerusalem, you, one thing you knew was Jerusalem kept being taken over by people. In 70 AD, it would be taken over by the Romans. It had been destroyed by the Babylonians. Um, other people had come through as well. So this is going to be absolutely safe. And I guess you know, it's, uh, Britain hasn't been invaded successfully for um, uh, nearly a thousand years now. So we have this sense of security. But I guess there is a sense in which we don't because um, we're worried about you know, the environmental issues. Uh, we're worried about terrorism. We're about all sorts of issues that make us feel unsafe. Well, the point is here that God's new creation is not going to be you know, threatened by anything. It is absolutely safe and secure. That is the picture that these walls are meant to give us. It's going to be splendid. It's going to be safe. Uh, Sorry, I missed out a kid's question. To what in this creation does the Bible compare the New Jerusalem? Then question four. What will never happen to this city? What will never happen to this city? And then finally we get this picture of a place of massive size. How are you going to press the button again? Thank you. Um, So, verse 15. The angel uh, who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. And as wide and high as it is long. Again, we get the footnote helps us see that is about 14,000 miles, about 2,200 kilometers. It is massive, okay? Uh, Hannah, do you want to press the button a couple of times? I just, imp- uh, yep. Go on, keep going. It should work. Oh, that's doing all sorts of things. Okay, but here's a picture. So I, I try to do this, sorry, I haven't got the colouring right. But you know, I'm saying London is in one corner, and uh, if you go. Um, uh, 1,400 miles south here, you're in North Africa. And if you go 1,400 miles east of here, you are pretty much in Russia. It's a huge area. It takes in most of Western Europe, most of Europe, full stop. Uh, John is obviously using symbolic language, but his point is that it's going to be huge. And why does it need to be so big? Well, the answer is because it has so many people who are going to be living there in God's kingdom. Uh, It's emphasized that all the nations are going to be there. Come with me to chapter 21. So you can press the next button, Hannah, as well. Thank you. Safe. Next one. And where have we gone through? God's people from all over the world will be there. Thank you. So chapter 21 and verse 24. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Uh, 26. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Chapter 22 and verse 2, down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 fruit, 
12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And emphasis that all are going to be involved, from all nations are going to be involved in that. And the great vision, probably the greatest vision in Revelation, you're going to have to turn some pages with me, is in Revelation chapter 7. Come with me to Revelation chapter 7. Keep a finger in the last two pages there. 1, 2, 3, 8. Page 1, 2, 3, 8. So we get this amazing vision. John says, well, helpfully, NRV, helpful, the great multitude in white robes. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here is this vast... um, number of people that John says it's not possible to count from all corners of the world wearing the white robes that God has given them before the lamb who has died for them acknowledging its salvation has come from God and we can see as the gospel goes out throughout the whole world we can see how that is slowly being built up And people from every tribe and nation and tongue are coming to know Christ. Now, it's important also to note that not everyone is going to be in that. Sometimes people see this vision and think, oh, everyone in the world, whatever they've done, is going to be there. But it's clear that that is not the case. God's judgment will come. Come back with me to chapter 21 again, back to chapter 21, page 1249. And verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Or in verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter the city, nor will anyone who does, not, who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. John is clear, well, the Holy Spirit speaking through John is clear, as the rest of the Bible is clear, that there will be a great and decisive day of judgment. There will be a separation between those who, by God's grace, have trust in Christ and those who continue to reject Christ. It's a very sobering picture. But the Bible is clear that that is what is going to happen. That's why we need to trust Christ. We need to hold on to Christ. Because he is the only way. It's his book of life is the only way that we can be saved. There's one more vision that John wants to bring us before he closes the book, and that is the river of life. Again, Hannah, thank you. Chapter 22. Chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of the God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. What a wonderful, wonderful description that is of this river and the trees. And the evocative thing, the, the tree of life. It was in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve rebelled. They, was, they were banished from the garden, so they could not eat from the tree of life, so they would die. But now we will be able to eat again from the tree of life. 
and its leaves are for the healing of the nation. And then I think, for me, almost the most staggering promise in the whole of Revelation is verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. Since Genesis 3, since that rebellion, our world has been marked by that great curse. Work is cursed. Childbearing is cursed. The ground is cursed. All our lives are lived under God's curse that ultimately will lead to death. But now God promises in the new creation that curse will finally be lifted, will finally be removed. And we will be able to live a life under God's blessing as he, as he plans for us. Our final kids question. What will there no longer be in this city? What will there no longer be in this city? And we'll be able to walk with God. We'll see his face. His name will be on our foreheads. As Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, so we too will be able to walk with God in, in, this, in this great city. Through Jesus' death, our salvation, we will see God. We can serve him. We can reign in that new creation as we were created to do. And so we come to the end of this great journey through the Bible. This great journey through God's plan to set up and establish his kingdom. That through his son Jesus Christ, he has indeed saved and gathered a great people together from every tribe and tongue and nation that he will bring them to a wonderful place, dazzling, secure, vast. Again, far greater than anything any political party can put together. And he will bless them. He will bless us in his presence forever. And so John, I think, is saying to us, look at this. Look at what we are being promised. Keep going. Keep trusting Christ. Yes, there are going to be all sorts of difficulties. Through many hardships, we'll have to enter the kingdom of God. But keep going, because it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it to keep going. God is indeed setting up his kingdom. He's building a people. He's going to bring them to this amazing place where they will indeed be under his rule and his blessing for all time. Well, let's pray that indeed we would understand that and seek to live with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your great plan to set up your kingdom, your worldwide glorious kingdom, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you that he was willing to come and save us, even as we rebelled against you. We thank you for his love and his compassion, his grace as he died on the cross for us. And we praise you for this final vision of the completed kingdom, that you encourage John and us by giving us this vision of what final reality will be like. We praise you that everything is going to be made new, that this old tainted world, tainted by your curse, tainted by the judgment, decay and frustration, will be made new. The old has gone, the new has come. We praise you for that. And we praise you that we will be with you as your people in a way that we have never so far experienced. That we will see your face. That you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That we will be with you forever. That we will be your people. That there will be no more mourning or crying or pain or death. 
We praise you for this glorious city, full of splendor, because your glory is there. Safe from all the things that destroy in this world and full of people from every tribe and tongue and nation. We praise you that the tree of life will be there, that will bring healing to the nations. Father, we praise you for these things, and we pray that you would put this vision deep in our hearts, that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us as we seek to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, as we seek to persevere, as we seek to share this amazing vision with other people. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.